Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome to Inspiring Sports Stories. Thanks to Bauer and O'Day. We've got a fascinating sports story for you today. It is the story of Bryce McGain, who made his test debut for Australia at 36 years of age. It's a great tale of persistence and improvement and uh, never believing that the dream is over. Bryce, welcome. Thanks so much. And, uh, well, it's it's nice to be considered an inspiring sports story, but uh, yeah, it's uh, very nice to be uh, joining you today, Bryce. Let's go all the way back to the beginning because the cricket comes, uh, uh, or the international cricket comes, a fair way further on. Tell us about growing up, where you grew up, and uh, and what sort of childhood you had. Yeah, look, uh, I grew up in an area uh, just about fifty kilometres out of Melbourne, uh, a town called Mornington, uh, the beautiful Mornington Peninsula, and uh, it's a real sporting hub. Um, I was really fortunate, you know, loved every sport, anything with a ball, I'd be actively involved in it. And uh, so, so from Aussie rules, football to even having a hit of tennis, not so much organised tennis, but just any moment you could, even hitting a ball against a wall, that'd be me. And uh, and cricket was obviously a, a passion from a very young age. It's great part of Mornington um, a lot of people grow up playing backyard cricket and I love the stories of the Australian players of their technique was built that way um, you know particularly guys like Husey and Smithy and all that when they grew up that, that's their backyard shaped how they played the cricket but uh, for me it was beach cricket and uh, spent all my summers down uh, at, at Mills Beach in Mornington where uh, they probably I won't say too loud because everyone will go there and play on these but they've got the best sandbars to play uh, <laughs> beach cricket on it was absolutely superb and um, spent many many years uh, honing my skills uh, on, on the sandbars in Mornington Were you always a leg spinner Bryce? Well I, as as every young kid growing up um, spin bowling wasn't in that era um, spin bowling wasn't that trendy I can tell you uh, everyone was bowling fast it was Dennis Lee Jeff Thompson was obviously a, a, a big factor at the time as well it was all fast bowling and uh, spin was just a, a way that I guess the Australian teams at that stage just filled in the overs if you like uh, that they, they had some uh, some good spinners at the time but no one really stood out but uh, I think I tried to bowl fast but I wasn't built to do that and uh I was probably a bit more of a thinker of the game. So, um, and I remember batting against tennis balls as you do at school and things like that. And I always found that the faster they bowled, the harder you could hit it. It actually gave you more leverage to hit the ball further. So from my batting experience, I then thought about it and thought, well, you know, maybe I can be a bit tricky and, and, and spin the ball. So for me, it became a pretty natural thing as much as I, I did try and emulate the, the great quicks of Australia at the time. But uh, yeah, it was I was probably born to bowl league spin. So... Why leg spin and not off spin? Because obviously there was a off, great off spinners around in the early 80s. I think Bruce Yardley had some, some great success when you would have been a little kid. But why? what drew you to leg spin? 
Yeah, certainly. Uh, yeah, and Greg Matthews as well, who um, I was lucky enough at different times to catch up when uh, I was playing first-class cricket in New South Wales. He was always there to support um, the brotherhood, as he called it, and uh, uh, incredibly supportive of all spinners coming through. But I guess for me, it's just a natural movement of my arm. It, it, the way the ball came out, I could find that uh, I, I could just spin the ball that way. So it, it wasn't so much a conscious decision to go, am I going to do one or the other? It just became a my my wrist just naturally turned that way and I could have some control around it as well. Uh, obviously, it started with a tennis ball and then moved you know, through to a rubber gut ball and then uh, maybe a compo ball as we, we, we develop our way through as kids. Um, you know, this is all under 12 stuff, of course. Uh, just having fun and playing cricket with your mates and those type of experiences really just shaped how I, how I bowled in the end. I'd imagine that you would need a lot of patience and a fair bit of courage to play as a spinner in junior cricket because in junior cricket, um, I know from my junior days, the slower they bowled, the further you thought you could hit them. And uh, uh, you had more time and you used to get set and you used to take a fair swing at them. So what sort of um, mental aptitude, if you like, did you need to, to bowl as a slow bowler as a kid? Yeah, and I guess as a kid, I had a really open mind. I was doing it because it was fun, and it actually drove me later on in my career. Once I worked that out of why I play cricket, and it really is because it is fun, I probably wasn't overly successful necessarily with the ball because I played on concrete-based wickets. Um, I didn't play on turf until um, much, much later, till I was 16, 17, and uh, around school cricket and things like that. So growing up on concrete-based wickets, if you're bowling spin, it tends to just bounce over the stumps anyway. So um, I had to adapt and learn. And, you know, a few um, bowlers who bowled spin, you know, were teaching me how to push the ball out a little bit more and different things like that as a, as a junior um, so I can attack the stumps a bit more. But uh, I, I guess it... Um, you just sort of evolve, survive, have fun. Um, there were good days, bad days. I remember batting uh, for a long period of time, just about all morning one day for 14 runs and getting not out um, from an opening batsman. Those sort of things just stick in your head. You're just doing it because it's fun and you're trying to you know, survive and do well for your team. And uh, look, um, terrific memories of playing junior cricket at Mornington, but uh, none of them really highly successful with the ball, to be perfectly honest. So how were you as a batsman? Did you ever aspire to higher honours as a batter? Well, I think as a junior, I ended up being an opening batsman. Um, I I was hard to get out uh, and put a big price on my wicket. That's what a lot of the... The, uh, the coaches were saying at the time, and it was probably uh, once I developed sort of around under-16s that I could actually hit the ball off the square. That was probably the hardest thing. I had a terrific late cut where I'd use the pace of the ball. So I never really minded facing fast bowling because you could use the pace against them. I, I probably wasn't strong enough as a young kid to bash the ball down the ground, but that came a little bit later. But yeah, it was probably just a determination to, to bat at the top of the order, not give your wicket away and uh, maybe support the, the other freewheeling hitters that were at the other end. So um, I guess then as things got a little bit more serious into the senior ranks, it was um, noted that my spin bowling might take me a bit further. So often at, at training and different things like that, I, I probably wouldn't bat every time, which... Um, you know, as a coach now, I, I probably uh, try and steer away from um, everyone needs to be developing their, their batting skills, even if they are batting down the lower in the order. So from an opening batter as a junior, I slipped right down to the bottom of the order. And uh, yeah, as, as the bowling sort of took um, front and centre. 
What did you want to be when you grew up? I had simple, uh, <laughs> I had really simple, uh, I guess, guidelines to doing, you know, what I wanted to be. Nothing really specific other than I do recall, I just wanted to be a groundsman. I wanted to prepare good grounds and things like that. So uh, maybe that was a, a bit of a pathway, but I never really um, was able to do that, even though I've done later on in years, uh, so I could learn more about it, uh, curator's course and learn more about pitch preparation and things like that. I never really fulfilled it. Um, it was probably more of a business background that uh, that also appealed to me as well. And I, I guess now, even now at, uh, at my age, I still don't quite know what I want to be when I grow up. But what I do want to be is, is doing something that's a whole lot of fun and enjoyable that really lights me up. And, you know, I was, I was so fortunate to experience that in having cricket as a profession later on, but uh, it, it took a lot of years to get to that point. Good answer, Bryce. We'll take a break there. This is Inspiring Sports Stories, thanks to Bauer and O'Day. We're talking to former Australian test leggy Bryce McGain. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bauer and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories, thanks to Bauer and O'Day, and we're talking to former Australian cricketer Bryce McGain, a remarkable man who made his test debut at 36 years of age. Bryce, we've talked a lot about your childhood and what it was like to be a young cricketer and a cornet player back in those days. Uh, might ask you what exactly a cornet is a bit later on in the interview, but you're also a very keen footballer and a very good footballer. Tell us about how you got started in footy, and of course, everyone in Victoria has a team. What, who was your team? Yeah, I grew up following Fitzroy. It's a real family tradition, and uh, Fitzroy became the Brisbane Lions and later had some success, but uh, as a young kid growing up, there weren't too many Fitzroy jumpers being worn around school. Uh, I proudly wore mine, and uh, and there was a lot of years of pain. There was a few little glimpses of some, some good moments, and I, I was lucky enough to go along to those. And I'd often go up to the Junction Oval and, uh, and, and watch Fitzroy play and um, some, you know, real uh, highlights of, of, of as a young kid around sort of 10 to 12 years old and going to the suburban grounds around, uh, around, around Melbourne was uh, absolutely fantastic. But, uh, look, I, I did love football, and I guess that's like most... Um, Southern state Aussie kids, uh, you know, we uh, if it's um, it's cricket in the summer and uh, footy in the winter, and uh, it was just a, a natural progression to just keep doing both of them uh, as much as I possibly could and as well as I could. So, what was your first junior team? Obviously, it would have been down the peninsula. It was. It was South Mornington, the Tigers. Um, I wore number three because Dale Waitman. Uh, I was I was little in statue, but uh, I loved the way that he went about it for the Tigers. Um, so it was in the Richmond Jumpers of South Mornington, and they're still going strong as a club and uh, going from strength to strength. In actual fact, I've got a, a few big ovals that they, they go to now. But uh, look, it was it was a great grounding all the way through there, and and still some of the, the the local people that I bump into from time to time. You know, we reminisce about playing together in for South Mornington, but uh, it was a great grounding. Again, it was just all around fun. Um, I was driven internally to, to, to keep trying to be the best that I could be and the best team player that I could be. Um, there were things that were just pretty important to me and uh, there were things that mum kept on instilling about that. Uh, she did say as a junior, if you ever get sent off, you'll never play football again. So um, there was, there was no, by no means was I ever trying to 
dish anything out to the opposition uh, untoward. Um, in actual fact, one game I did get sent off mistakenly by the umpire and I um, sat on the band and I was, I was um, uh, inconsolable, really. And the coach said, don't worry, it's all right. We know you didn't do anything wrong. I said, I know, but mum won't let me play any more football. It's over. <laughs> but uh, mum came around and let me get back out there. So, uh, look, I had some great experiences there and, and played in a few representative teams. Again, not necessarily the best player, but probably one of the good tries on the team. You ended up having a very good career for Sylvan in the Yarra Valley Mountain District League. Tell us about your times there. Yeah, look, I, the natural progression after I finished school was to to play at my local club in Mornington and the Bulldogs and had a great ground in there and had some good influences, so some real good senior uh, heads that came down. Mark Witzel was a, a, an influence there and a great support, as was Robbie Prosser, and both those guys were at the Swans for a period of time. Um, and they, they taught me a lot about next level and senior football. Um, I was sort of in and out of the seconds and played some good games in, in, in the first for Mornington, but cricket was my number one, and uh, I'd just started playing Premier Cricket around that time, but still doing football cricket, um, that, that combination, uh, and trying to blend the both as uh, pre-season blended into finals of each of the sports. But uh, it, I went away and played cricket in England uh when I was 23 and then when I came back I, I wasn't necessarily going to play football but a friend said hey look how about we head up to Sylvan which is probably a good hour's drive from where I was living at the time and uh, said why don't we go up there and play and it'll be fun and we'll, we'll just play some footy together so I thought it'd be a good idea to do for one season but uh, look I loved it so much and the people were so good and I'm still so connected with with the club up there, um, just in following it from a distance, but uh, really still connected with the people I played footy with. I, I ended up spending five years there and uh, really loved it up until 29. So it was, uh, we didn't have a whole lot of success as a club, only a few finals, but uh, again, it was um, such an enjoyable time. The connection with the, the local community was so strong and Sylvan's uh, built on that from year to year. And Success came uh, once I left the club. Maybe that was a message for me. But, uh, yeah, look, they, they're a terrific club. Small club, tiny little place uh, up in the in the, um, uh, in the Dandenongs. And, uh, but really loved my time up there. You won the 2000 Senior League Best and Fairest Award and you were inducted into Sylvan's Team of the Century in 2002. So you're a little bit better than just okay. <laughs> well... I, I, I did enjoy it. Um, it was it, it, at times it was pretty brutal football. So um, as a, I guess if I describe the way I played, it was maybe more of I, I played on the ball, so I was inside, but I could get outside pretty quick. Um, and uh, I, I probably had a few tricks to get outside, and then um, kicking the ball to the forwards in, on a small ground at Sylvan, um, I quite enjoyed doing that and, and, and setting up the play. Uh, but as you sort of step around some others and maybe sell a bit of candy, um, the locals weren't too warm to that sort of happening too much. So they were pretty uh, keen to um, knock my block off at times. And uh, so, look, I had some great support of my teammates, which, um, you know, they just settled things down, made sure that the opposition knew that, you know, that there could be some ramifications if you, you, you tried anything underward towards me. So they were always terrific uh, support for me. But, uh um, look, th- th- it was it was really good. Some of the conditions we played in were diabolical, to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> not too much drainage on the grounds, and sometimes we were going out there in ankle-deep mud. But, uh, I, look, again, it was 
doing something that I loved and having fun and, and connecting with mates and uh, uh, as much as you know, winning those accolades, I'm really proud of being part of that team in the century. I, I didn't quite get to 100 games. 97 games is what I played for Sylvan, but uh, yeah, really proud of being part of their team in the century. So what was happening with cricket at this time? This is in your 20s, so obviously your, your career is evolving as a cricketer as well as what you're doing in footy. What was happening there? Yeah, so I was playing Premier Cricket. Uh, at that stage, it was for Frankston Peninsula. Frankston Peninsula were a new team. They moved from uh, the the sub-district competition and then became a, a, a Premier Cricket um, team uh, in, in 93. And I played seven years. Uh, so it corresponded exactly with this senior football correlation. And uh, look, playing football... Um, kept me fit but it didn't help my cricket one bit and a few sore things and a dislocated collarbone and um, uh, and a few other incidents didn't really help my cricket that much and probably set me back a little bit Um, I enjoyed both so much it was hard to give it away but uh, in the end it was probably a good thing to give football away um, and then just concentrate on my cricket but I was playing premier cricket in and out of the first and the seconds Um, it was probably an era where Spinners didn't necessarily play one-day cricket. Um, it certainly wasn't in, in the strategy of, uh, of the, the, the club at the time. But, uh, look, it, it gave me a great grounding. I was able to um, go and play in the seconds, and I probably had that level covered, but then had to learn a lot to play consistent uh, and, uh, and good Premier cricket first. So uh, Frankston gave me that great grounding um, on terrific conditions um, at the ground, it must be said. Wickets in Victoria tended, or the ones I've seen anyway, tend to be low and slow. How is that for a leggy? Yeah, and they tend to be pretty flat at, at Premier Cricket as well. I'm sure the batsmen uh, put their shifts on the rollers all the time and uh, flatten them right out because um, there's a lot of heartache. Look, when I first started playing Premier Cricket, I transitioned from playing cricket at Mornington straight to Premier Cricket, and it actually took me six games to get my first wicket. So... Um, it wasn't an easy transition. It was a huge jump, and there was a lot of learning for a lot of us local boys that translated from the local Mornington Peninsula competition into Premier Cricket at Frankston. So there was a lot of learning. There was a lot of heartache. But uh, bit by bit, we learned on the job and, and, and got better and better and supported each other. Um, there's a great camaraderie with that group, um, and there still is because uh, it was the start of a new era for that, that Frankston club and becoming Frankston Peninsula Heat. But... Uh, uh, later, uh, yeah, they've had some close to success. Uh, Matthew Mott was a notable player that, that um, was there. He's now coaching around the world and one of the great coaches. But uh, he played there when he, he came down from Queensland to play for Victoria and uh, set set things up really well in terms of um, how to go about cricket at, at the next level and, and led by example. And he was a great influence uh, in, in my last couple of years down at Frankston. So this was also the Shane Warne era during the 1990s when Warne burst onto the scene and, and, and revolutionised um, spin bowling and made it sexy again, I guess. Suddenly it was, it was trendy and popular to be a leggy. So what was that like being involved in that? He did. He made, he made leg spin cool. And uh, it wasn't cool when I was a young kid, but, uh, yeah, he certainly made it very, very cool. And, uh and it probably opened the eyes to a, a lot of um, influences, uh, you know, in terms of coaches and, uh, and captains and things like that, to to play an attacking bowler, a, a leg spinner in particular, in one day cricket. And what I found that when the batsmen were uh, particularly going after you, that um, you know the opportunities came. So I was 
pretty open-minded. A catch at deep mid-wicket was as good as a catch at slip, so I didn't mind how I got them. But, uh, and it's not saying that every wicket was that way, but uh, you know, setting those in-out fields, learning the strategy, learning the tactics, and then being able to execute the ball to bowl to those, I think that helped me a lot. And then I could refine it back to the longer form of the game, the two-day cricket that I was playing at the time. So it, it helped immensely in that. It gave a bit of inspiration because, um, you know, warning story was just from a, a local bloke, maybe a failed footballer who then played a bit of cricket and uh, just believed in himself and wanted to just enjoy what he was doing. His was a, a, a an absolute rapid rise through the ranks. Um I felt myself still just churning away, but I knew I had a lot to learn. But it was a level of inspiration to see, you know, how well he went. And, you know, well, he helped me love the Ashes because of the great things that he kept doing, particularly against England. We'll take a break there. We'll come back and we'll talk about Bryce's first class and test career. This is Inspiring Sports Stories. Thanks to Bauer and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little things because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories thanks to Bower and O'Day. We're talking to Bryce McGain. Bryce, you made your first class debut or your Sheffield Shield debut at around 30 years of age. How did that come about? Well, it came about... Um yeah, I, I was, I guess, really fortunate in, in some respects. It, it came because I was performing pretty regularly. I'd made a move at that stage from Frankston Peninsula to Paran Cricket Club. Um, I'd always been working in the city and travelling to Frankston in peak hour, it'd take an hour and a half, two hours, and I'd get down there, I'd be exhausted. I'd be, you know, having been in the car or on the train and car and I tried every method to get down there as quick as I could, but I was able to leave work and I had a supportive boss. I'd leave work at 4.30, but Paran just around the corner, I could be there before five o'clock. Um, it corresponded with the recruiting for, at Paran, although they weren't a strong team at the time. Um, they recruited John Moss from New South Wales um, and he came down and we'd always meet before training, training and start around six o'clock. So we'd often do 45 minutes and he was a really good player of spin. So I got to bowl a bit extra to him um, and then I'd make the most of the opportunities where I might be invited to bowl to the Victorian uh, team. Um, the, the rare opportunity that that came up, I'd leap at that and be able to bowl to them. And even occasionally around that sort of stage, the, the, the touring international teams and even the Australian team, they'd look for net bowlers and I, I'd be all over that type of opportunity just to size myself up and, um, you know, warm up the Aussies, I suppose, in some respect as well. So, look, at it, it just created some belief um, that I that I could do that. Uh, it was through some good performances at Premier level um, that, that I got that opportunity. Uh, it was a real changing in the guard at the time. Um, the Victorian cricket team, uh, it was uh, Paul Rifle was the, the captain, but halfway through the season, he said, look, no, I'm done. Um Colin Miller, who was the Test Cricketer of the Year the year before um, for Australia, um, was was battling a bit, uh, bowling for Victoria and taking wickets. I think he'd, he'd taken six wickets for the whole six games leading up to uh, Christmas. So it was after Christmas. The first game uh, was against New South Wales in Sydney, and they needed to take a spinner. And um, it was uh, it was probably a call from left field because I wasn't a contracted player at that stage. I'd been at training consistently, I suppose, as a net bowler. 
but uh, I got that opportunity and, uh, and and went up there with a really uh, it was a really changed environment. I went up. Um, Andrew McDonald was part of that group as well, and so they were looking to change the guard a little bit of Victorian cricket. Darren Berry um, was uh, behind the stumps, and uh, captaining was Matt Elliott, um, who did it only for a couple of times then, but he captained my first game uh, against New South Wales at the SCG. Who'd you bowl to? Well, uh, it was uh, a pretty good lineup. My first wicket was Corey Richards, uh, a ball that just drifted in and hit him on the shoe. And uh, of course, uh, that's a great uh, uh, method for a spinner to get a wicket because the umpire goes, "Well, that's going straight, regardless of what could have happened, what may have happened." <laughs> they just assume it goes straight. So um, Corey was number one, and then uh, a young Michael Clark was aggressively looking to take take toll on me and came running down the wicket. And this is all happening in the second second innings because the first innings, uh, uh, Matthew Innes had, had taken a massive bag of wickets and we, we were in a really powerful position against New South Wales. But uh, Michael Clark went to smack me over the top down the ground and uh, I beat him in, in the air and spun a little bit and he ballooned a ball out to cover and uh, it was Mick Lewis under that. Um, we're all nervous because um, Mick Lewis doesn't take too many high ball catches at training and uh, he did hang on to this one and... That was my second, and that, that were my wickets for the day. Um, I was able to get a few past the bat as um, a few other of the, the star-studded New South Wales team uh, went down the wicket, but uh, Darren Berry has sort of said, well, in, in hindsight, um, missing a couple of stumpings off me um, may have cost me a few more Shield uh, games early on in my career, but uh, all, all is, uh, he's a good friend, and uh, yeah, all is forgotten now. But uh, I was creating chances and uh, really enjoying bowling in those conditions. Um, uh, the SCG at that time really did take some spin and uh, I, I certainly enjoyed that. I hadn't experienced any of that in Premier Cricket uh, leading up to that stage. So bowling on a day four wicket uh, with plenty of spin was uh, pretty exciting. Did you start thinking that you could go next level at that point? Because you, you're late into first-class cricket, um, but leggies can mature later in life. Were you still thinking test cricket at that stage? Look, interesting question, Duff. Obviously, uh, ahead of me were some pretty good leggies. Uh, I did play against Stuart McGill in my first game and, uh, you know, just just seeing him firsthand and the the revs that he was putting on the ball and and those types of things, it didn't um, deter me from uh, still trying to be the best I can be and, and play for Victoria. But getting my Victorian cap as a young kid growing up in Victoria and um, really admiring the players that represented the state. Uh, uh, you know, if it ended there, um, I, I kind of would have been satisfied. You know, I've, I've got to represent my state um, and not many people get that opportunity. Um, you know, I was really proud of that achievement uh, at the time, uh, but I wanted to do well. I wanted to help the team um, just like I had been doing as a junior at Mornington. So it was always about me presenting my best, helping the team in any way I could to, to do well. So, I knew there was more improvement for me to come um, uh, and I had that inner belief and burning. Um, as much as uh, on outwardly, I, I was probably a, a bit quieter. I wasn't ultra-aggressive or anything like that. I wasn't highly opinionated or, or arrogant um, outwardly, but internally I had this um, belief in myself that um, I can keep getting better. There's no reason why I can't just keep getting better and, and performing well. Terry Jenner was a great supporter too, wasn't he? And a, and, and a, and a great believer in you. Tell us about his influence. Yeah, look, r- really good point. Um, it was it was at 28. I'd, I'd never really had any direct spin bowling coaching. I'd had some guidance 
but no one with that level of expertise and obviously Terry being uh, Shane Warne's mentor for, for many, many years and set him on a path of, of greatness really. Um, it was at 28 uh, and I was still at Frankston at the time, but I went to a spin week um, over in Adelaide. It was the last year that the Cricket Academy was in Adelaide. Rod Marsh was heading that up and uh, all the best talented young players from all, all around Australia uh, were over there. Um, and then they have a spin week where spinners had come together. So there's probably up to about 24 spinners um, that would come from all the different states. And I think I got my opportunity because uh, one of the other players couldn't go or got injured and it was a late call up um, I had to plead with my boss at the at the bank where I was working at the time um, to say oh, I'd love to be able to do this it's a great opportunity he supported it and uh, with, with next to no notice I was uh, flying over to Adelaide now every other every other person there was 18 to 20 20 is probably the oldest and then suddenly there's this guy 28 um, you know trying to uh, spin the ball now I was doing a whole lot of things incorrectly I suppose that weren't helping my spin bowling I was coming in on angles and we probably all recall spin bowlers who used to do that um, I was just doing it because that's what I'd seen on telly I hadn't noticed anything different no one had told me not to do it so I just kept doing it so Terry after about two or three days and we've been toiling away um, he and uh, it was also Kerry O'Keefe were heading up the leg spinners there and they sat me down in a room they showed me some vision and said look Bryce, at your age, this is going to be so hard to change, but you need to do this, uh, which is running straight, and a few other things that they taught me, the real fundamentals of bowling great spin, and boy, I'm, I'm forever grateful for those guys. There was no um, there was no fluff, it was pretty direct, um, and I, I think they were, they were hopeful, but not really believing at 28 that I could shift things around, but it gave me a real purpose, stuff that it enabled me to go away and work on my game and go... If I do these things, that's what's going to help me. And I believed in it so much. It was the last couple of days there that I tried the things that felt awkward, but I could see some breakthroughs at different times, albeit a little bit inconsistent, but I could see what a difference it would make if I did those types of things. And the use of the front arm in learning those things from Terry Jenner and supported with Kerry O'Keefe, um, you know, as I said, I'm forever grateful because it just changed the path of what I knew about leg spin bowling and then what I knew I could do and how to train and how to prepare to playing cricket at the levels above. We'll take a break then. We'll come back and we'll talk about Bryce's international career and also, of course, finally making it as a full-time cricketer so late in life. This is Inspiring Sports Stories, thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. We're talking to Bryce McGain. Bryce, late introduction to first-class cricket, and then suddenly people start talking about this bloke in his 30s that's playing for Victoria that maybe would play international cricket. When did you first get wind of the possibility? Well, after playing three first-class games, um, for me, I, 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 I had a contract. I, I earned a contract, I suppose, is the best way to, po- to put it. You, you, you do that, but uh, and the points accumulated for those games get you a contract, and it was minimum chips, of course, uh, a state contract. And then uh, 
So, but unfortunately, I didn't get to play much after that. Cameron White was uh, the leg spinner at the time and Shane Warne when he came back. Uh, so for me, it was back to Premier Cricket for four years. And I did perform well at the, over that period of time. And, um, you know, just kept on believing maybe there's an outside chance that I might get back for Victoria. And it was when Shane Warne retired after winning the Ashes 5 nil. Uh, in 2007 that he suddenly announced his retirement I'm done that's it and uh, it's kind of shocked Victoria a bit and again it was an opportunity um, to go up to the SCG we needed to take a spinner that opportunity um, created a spot in the one day side and Cameron White went into the one day side as a spinner and uh, all round batsman um, and it created that chance uh, back for Victoria for me so um and I knew it was the last opportunity, really. So I took six wickets in that game, um, bowled lots of overs because one of our bowlers stubbed a toe. That was Mick Lewis stubbed the toe in the dressing room. So he couldn't bowl uh, with a busted big toe. So I got lots of overs. And the captain at the time, Dave Hussey, said, um, and who I played club cricket with, supported me immensely. So I felt comfortable. I felt supported. And... Uh, I guess from then I just wanted to create a headache for the Victorian selectors, to be perfectly honest. I just wanted to keep performing well, which which I was unable to do. And I guess after having that and the level of confidence, um, I know around uh, Australia uh, there was a real there was an inquest into well, why aren't spinners succeeding? And I found that a bit frustrating because I, I was I was finding a way to do it, and it wasn't necessarily because I was spinning the ball much off the wicket. Um, I was accurate and I was getting the ball to drift and drop and that's how I was getting a lot of my wickets and I guess that's the experience of of being in my mid-30s and finding different ways to get wickets rather than the young up-and-coming spinners who were just looking for what was happening on the surface. So it did help me a bit um, and I guess the, the support around was uh, was there and uh, you know I, I just kept on believing. Um, of course, an absolute dream of everyone to go and play Test Cricket for Australia. So... Uh, yeah, I kept on plugging away. You went on a tour to India, but you ended up not playing because of a shoulder injury. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was after an India A, Australia A series. I went over there. Simon Kadich was in charge there. We played the first game at Bangalore, and um, I'd taken three of the first four wickets, was ripping the ball past Virat Kohli's outside edge, a young Virat Kohli at that stage. Uh, he was just a teenager, and uh, obviously um, greatness was to come for him. But... Uh, uh, it was probably, um, for me, the, the greatest experience of my life. I couldn't believe that I was bowling in India, in India. I couldn't believe how good the conditions are for spin bowling. I've never <laughs> experienced that. And uh, it was just loving every moment of it. And without warning, uh, I, I, I strained at that stage um, my, my, my lat muscle. Now, it really is a, a muscle so that joins up the back of your armpit, the side muscle, and right up where it joined, uh, right up around my shoulder, that's where it, uh, there's a bit of a strain up there. So I, I couldn't play any more part in, in that uh, particular series. There was another game after that, so I went home to rehab. But I guess it was enough at that stage for the selectors to say, yep, we want to put him in. And uh, I was on that tour, pending injury and recovering back from injury, and it was leading up into that series and that first test where... All, all things were indicating that I would have been making my debut in India, but uh, I, I wanted to know him inside myself that everything was okay, so I just pushed myself for training and uh, ended up tearing that, that whole muscle off the bone. So it's a bit like doing a hamstring off the bone. It takes some surgery to put it back, and um, it was unfortunately um, so close, but yet so far, and uh, I, was, I found myself back um, under the uh, under the knife with Greg Hoy, who did a good job in reattaching that and. Uh, then I was uh, back to the rehab. Tell us about 
your test match in Cape Town. You're age 36. It's in 2009. What do you remember about it? Yeah, getting the opportunity to go on the tour was um, quite extraordinary. Uh, Australia had uh, had lost the home series, I guess, at that stage against South Africa. Um, and then uh, the, the return bout, and I, I like the way this is, three tests in Australia, three tests in South Africa. And really at that time, um, the, the fast bowling was the go. We'd won the first two tests, and uh, it was only a very last-minute inclusion. Uh, Marcus North was covering a bit of the spin bowling options and batting in the middle order, and uh, it was the fast bowlers who were doing so well. We, of course, it was Mitchell Johnson's great breakout around that pe- period. But uh, it was a last-minute inclusion. I didn't know an hour before the match that I'd ever be a chance to, to play in that test, but uh, it, it did come, and um, it was Ricky Ponting that presented the, the baggy green to me in, in a bit of a hurry and a, a bit of a surprise party before that, that third test, but uh, you know, incredible honour, and you know, I was able to reflect back on the journey that it took me to get there. It's by no means the straightforward journey. I wasn't necessarily born to play test cricket, but uh, as you said, right at the top, there was a bit of persistence and uh, and, and perseverance that, that that, and a lot of learning along the way that I had to find my way to do it. And uh, it, was a, it was a great honour to represent Australia uh, in Cape Town. So as a person that was basically part-time for, for most of your career, you end up um, uh, becoming you know, an international cricketer and, uh, and, and pretty much making a living out of the sport. What did that feel like so late in life? Well, look, it was quite extraordinary. Look, the test didn't go quite as I dreamt as a kid uh, going through. Um, South Africa uh, in some really good batting conditions really did hop into me and I, that wasn't unexpected. Um, but I guess even after that, being able to go and play county cricket for Essex and, and travel the world with the Victorian team playing T20 in, in world leagues and uh, it was just extraordinary. Uh, and I was able to experience the very best leading up to the test and even um, greater after that, that um, particular test match. But uh, it is an absolute dream come true. I, I couldn't recommend uh, it in, in, to all the kids that I, I, I talk to and coach and different things like that, provide inspiration. It is a great pathway. Doing something you absolutely love in sport as a career is uh, quite extraordinary and it helps shape what I do after um, you know my professional career, career as well is that I'm looking for those things that really light me up that I do love and, uh, and are incredibly passionate about to put my energy towards. And playing cricket professionally was every bit um, a dream come true. So what keeps you busy now, Bryce? Uh, I'm the CEO of an international college uh, in Melbourne and uh, and also still love coaching. I coach football um, and love doing that with, with Old Scotch and uh, coach the under-19 program there and a lot of those players coming up and playing senior football, but also heading into the VFL and they're well on the way to their AFL drafting career as well. So, look, it's a terrific uh, level and standard of football. And so I, I guess I'm just passionate about sport and helping others and and also just with the role that I have in the international college, you know, helping international students uh, further their lives and career as well. Um, it's a real passion of mine with the National Training College of Australia. Do you still love the game of cricket? Absolutely. Um, and I look forward to it so much. I love commentating throughout the summer and uh you know i'm really fortunate that i have that i do roles that uh give me that level of flexibility but being able to coach even big bash but a lot of the sheffield shield i love seeing who's coming through who's improving um for the next australian lineups but uh follow cricket around the world everywhere with uh even the county championship uh 
seeing who the next up and comers are in the England lineups and uh, around the world IPL, of course. Um, there's so much cricket now that's readily available, um, just with a press of a button. And uh, yeah, I must say that I do love it. I, I do love seeing uh, the best go about it. And uh, you know, as, as we talk at the moment, um, the Ashes series riding to full swing. And you know, I'm just loving every moment of uh, following that and the contest that it is at the very highest level. Who was the best player of spin bowling you ever bowled to? That the hardest ones to bowl to are the, are the ones that use their feet a lot, both forward and down the wicket, and that's notable. But the ones that get really deep in their crease that punish you as well. Um, Mike Hussey was incredibly difficult to bowl to, and Simon Kadich uh, was also really difficult because he played a little bit um, a- unusual, and he can tap and work the ball away, and then suddenly you'll whack it over mid-wicket and put it 20 rows back as well. So... Those two were very difficult left-handers um, as well. The leg spinners can be a bit of a challenge. But, uh, um, look, I was really fortunate when Simon Kadic was putting out epic Sheffield Shield seasons, um, 1,500 runs. Yeah, it was amazing. And uh, it was a, a coffee with Shane Warne that helped me set the strategy. And we broke up... Uh, uh, the stirrer from the coffee, the, the paddle pop stick, we, and we set a field on the coffee. We ordered a couple more coffees and we worked our way through about ha- how to uh, go about getting him out. And Thankfully, in that season, I was able to get him out a few times. Uh, he did get some runs, though, um, but we were able to uh, get him out in the end. But uh, thankful for that strategy. But uh, they were the most challenging batsmen, the ones that used their feet down the wicket, but also deep as well. Bryce McGain, an incredible career, incredible life, I would say, and... Uh... I think it, the lesson here for everybody is uh, if you're passionate about something and you're prepared to keep learning and improving at it, keep going at it because you never know what might happen. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us and uh, we wish you all the best. Maybe there's more to come given uh, given how well you've done uh, later on in your career. Mark, it's an absolute pleasure to catch up with you and yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some many more chapters to be written yet. This is Inspiring Sports Stories, thanks to Bower and O'Day, and we've been talking to Bryce McGain. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.